I like the rant. Ranting is fun. It also makes it cleanses the soul. Uh, Detroit is to be one of the best sports cities in the country, if not the best. Surely Javi can't be as bad this year as he was last year. Surely that can't be the case. One of the worst offenses, if not the worst offense, like in the modern era of baseball, just absolutely atrocious. He is a piece of the puzzle. He is not the entire puzzle. Right. He's a puzzle piece, but he is not the entire puzzle. This is the Michigan and Trumbull podcast with your hosts, Alex S. Freeman and Luke Giaconis. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Michigan and Trumbull podcast. I'm your host, Alex Freeman, joined as always by Luke Giaconis from sunny Florida. Luke, how are things? Finger guns. Finger guns to you, Alex. Um, things are good. Finger guns. I just did finger guns. I just got to that episode in New Girl where Nick Miller tells Jessica that he loves her and she responds by going finger guns. So that's how my life's going right now. Um, no, things are good. Um, you know, it's life. Life is life. Work is work. Uh, baseball is back. As we are recording this, the Tigers just dropped the home opener to the Boston Red Sox. And we are currently two and five on the year. So not great, but also not like terrible. And I hate that we're saying that because you should not be happy with a two and five start. But seeing as the Tigers very realistically look like maybe we're going to start 0 and 7, um, mm-hmm. I guess two and five is a win. It's not a great win, but it's a win. Um, weird start to the year. Weird, weird start to the year. I don't know what your thoughts are, but uh, it's hard to get a gauge. But then also like, the Tampa series made sense in a way because it's like, yeah, this is probably how it's going to be for the bulk of the yeah. season. But then they played, I don't want to say really well, but pretty well against the Astros for two out of those three games, especially that game two game, which was a really good win. And then they just kind of crapped the bed against the home opener against the Red Sox. It, just, it felt like every every positive thing they did, they immediately then just took two steps back the next inning when they were, when they were pitching in the Red Sox run offense. So I don't know. I don't know. It's been a weird start to the season. Two and five. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I can't, I can't say that we have really any business being surprised that they went 0 3 against the Rays. Um, I think my, my main surprise was kind of how bad they looked doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, taking two of three against the Astros, that feels great. Um, and then the Red Sox, I, I, I did not watch the game today. Um, so I, just for listeners, as we know, we are recording on Thursday after the home opener. So you know more about how the Red Sox series played out than we do. Um, but, but I mean, you know, it, it is, it is what it is. I think, I think that we are, I think the team this week after the Tampa series has been more the team we should expect to see this season where mm-hmm. some days they're like really going to go compete. And then other days it's just going to be just kind of, rough to watch and and not not their day which is going to just kind of be the the name of the game so i think we're going to get a lot of like two win two loss type streaks Mm -hmm. well honestly if they can keep that pattern i guess through at least the month of april i think we would consider that a win because then you're probably breaking 500 or just maybe a few games under like if they got out of the month of april make no mistake about it if they can find a way to get out of this month of april three games under 500 i'll throw a parade in in Detroit 
in the month of May, then I'll, I'll, I'll foot the bill for it because that would be pretty remarkable considering the caliber of talent they're going to be seeing over these next few weeks. Um, yeah, the Tampa series was brutal. And not only was it brutal, it was just, it was non-competitive from the start. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they didn't have a heartbreaking loss. They didn't like, you know, blow a save in the bottom of the ninth and lose, you know, seven to six or whatever. They just, from, from the very first inning, they just looked out of it. I think they got behind, I want to say, Two out of the three games, if not all three games. Yeah. I don't even. I don't even think that. I don't even think they carried a lead at all. Um, through any of the through any of the three games, if, if I remember correctly. No, I'm pretty sure their um, first lead was was when they took a lead in Houston. That was their first right. season. I think so. Yeah, I think you're right on that first game. So, yeah, it just it that was so disheartening because it just felt like there was nothing. Absolutely, there there really was nothing from that series to like to take away as a positive. Yeah, Joey Wentz looked good in his start of the season. Um, Turnbull got lit up. I thought Eduardo Rodriguez was Eduardo Rodriguez, and the offense was just anemic. So, uh, but then they go to the Houston series, and then they win two out of three. Spencer Torkelson wakes up. Riley Green wakes up. Matt Veerling has to be, I think, the team's MVP through the first seven games of the season. Pitching was there, especially from the bullpen. They, you know, I know we have given a lot of praise, and rightfully so, to Chris Fetter over what he has done with the pitching staff, but mainly the bullpen these last couple of seasons. It's almost unfair to say this, but I feel like this is really going to be a season where Chris Fetter will get to put his money where his mouth is. Because mm-hmm. this, it, I guess it just, and I kind of remember saying it vaguely towards one of our episodes during spring training about the, the starting rotation, which I think in and of itself might have some issues. But I think we, can you blame us after years of having such a bad bullpen? We're having a, a halfway decent bullpen for two seasons. We were kind of like, all right, this is easy. And now there's a very real chance we're going to go back to that crappy bullpen scenario. But um, just got to wait and see if Chris Fetter can work his magic once again. Because there's the, no disrespect, but there's a lot of scrubs in this bullpen. Um, yeah. Jose Cisnero is, has looked awful in every appearance he's, ma- he's made. Alex Lang, uh, I think he had the blown save on the, uh, the opening series against Houston. Um, Mason Englert, though, pretty solid. Mm-hmm. Um Garrett Hill got the same. It's just, it's, it really is a cavalcade of no names with all due respect. And now we're going to have to see if Chris Fetter can work that Fetter magic for the third year in a row. And I guess until I really kind of looked at the bullpen the other day, I never realized good or bad because, you know, they were up and down throughout their careers with the Tigers, but losing Joe Jimenez and Gregory Soto and Andrew Chafin and Kyle Funkhauser, um, you know, it's, it's just kind of like Michael Fulmer, you know, it's just, it, you kind of, after a while, they all got subtracted kind of at different paces that you kind of go, oh, damn, who is the bullpen now? Like, we want right. Alex Lang to be the guy. Will Vest is in AAA. Just, it's it's going to be very touch and go with the bullpen. I do think, and I hope I'm not getting too ahead of myself just after seven games, because they are two and five after all. I think the offense will hopefully be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. I'm not going to say they're going to be good. I'm not going to say they're going to be the worst. I don't think they'll be 2022 offense bad. Based off that race series, it looked like it was it looked like very that well could be have been the way it was, we could have been longing for the 2022 offense after. Uh, yeah, it, it looked like it was going to be series. 2022 part two. I said on our tick, my TikTok, TikTok, good God, a series recap from the race series that if they continue to hit against the Rays like this all season, it'll be worse in 2022 and it'll make the 2019 tigers look like the roar of 84 if they if they continue to get outscored i think it was what 23 to 2 or 21 to 3 or something like that it was just 
not good. I mean, the Rays are a good team, but I mean, that's no excuse to put up to put up those numbers. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's an important thing for for folks to keep in mind is that like we we've started the year with two very 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 good teams. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, sure, you, you can say what you want about the Astros and that some of the injuries that they're dealing with, but that that roster that roster is still great. Mm-hmm. Um, even with, with some of the guys that they're missing, uh, we, we'll see what the Red Sox are this year. Um, you know, on, on paper, uh, they, they have, a, they have great hitters. Um, they have a great lineup. Um, they, they've started out the year well, but obviously they, the Red Sox might be the worst team in their division. Um, but that's a, unfair to say it's a very very good division that they play in um it's not well, it's not being last in the american league central that's for sure yeah here's what the rest of our month looks like just for a quick preview home against boston go to toronto for three home against uh san francisco and then cleveland on the road against baltimore milwaukee uh home against baltimore to end off the month of april and then Mets, Cardinals, Cleveland, Mariners, and then you kind of get into the Pittsburgh Pirates, the Nationals, the Royals, the White Sox, the Rangers, some of those kind of crappy to middle tier teams, White Sox, Rangers in that regard. But yeah, I mean, like I just said a little bit ago, if this team could find a way to get under the get out of the month of April, three games under 500, I think that's huge cause for celebration because at least then it puts them in a spot in the month mm-hmm. of May to kind of maybe find some magic and you know, just tread water long enough to get to some of those Nationals matchups and Pirates matchups and, you know, all those Shoot, other even ones. the Mets right now. I would love to take the Mets right now. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's tough. What do you think about this real quick? It's only seven games, you know, and I, I was definitely, definitely not keeping my composure uh, through the through the, the race <laughs> series on Twitter, and I can own up to that. Um, but hey, come on, what did you expect from me? Uh it's only seven games, small sample size, all that stuff, blah, blah, blah. But Jonathan Scope, I mean, should he just start packing his bags now, save himself a little bit of time? Because it's not looking good at all. He looks just atrocious at the plate. He looks bad on defense. Um, I, I just have not been really impressed with anything from Scope. And last year, Guy gets a pass coming off a really nice 2021. We waited that entire season for him to kind of heat up. Mm-hmm. He never did. This year, you have to imagine the leash will not be anywhere near as long as he was given last year with Kreidler, you know, just hanging around. Tyler Nevin is raking right now yeah. in Toledo. Even Zach Short is hitting the ball pretty well in Toledo. So it's like, at what point in time, and we have to imagine Zach McKinstry too, the, the guy who they yep. made in that historic trade with the Cubs that he's he's probably not long for wearing the the old t- uh, English D either. It's just yeah, it's not good. It's a bad situation at second base right now. Yeah, I mean it really is, and I I think that in a year where the the focus seems to be on giving giving young guys their shot um, to like really see what we have in the organization, that you especially don't give give those guys particularly long leashes to reprove themselves to reprove that they can compete at a major league level um because yeah like you i i'd rather see zach short be slightly inconsistent but developing than jonathan scope just like collecting a paycheck and not being very good yeah also too on on the the flip side of things someone who i think has just within the first seven games demanded that he is in the starting lineup, Jake Rogers. 
phenomenal yeah. start for Jake Rogers. Um, showing no signs of um, regression, rust, anything like that. Um, coming off the injury, the injury plague, not playing at all in 2022. Looks great. Looks great. So much to the point, if he keeps hitting like this, they're going to bench Haas and they're going to make Rogers a starting catcher, or they're going to put Haas in left field, you know, or kind of do some, some mm-hmm. fancy footwork with that. But yeah, it's just something to keep track of. I mean, right now the offense, they were so bad against it's, it's, it really is unfair to judge because they were so God awful against Tampa Bay and then pretty damn coherent against the Astros. And then this opening game against the Red Sox, you know, offense wasn't really bad. Um, they had left a couple guys on, you know, in some situations, but, um, yeah, it's hard to get a real gauge because there's some guys right now who are hitting and some guys who aren't. So seven games, I'm not going to try to read too much into mm-hmm. it, but if this team could find a way to scrape, scratch, claw to just even four to five to six games under 500 going into May to keep it at least within reach, that'd be a huge victory. I know it's a, a shit way to look at it when you're when you're begging just to not be when you're when you'll set up for six games under 500 instead of 10. You know, I, I don't know what that says about your organization as a whole, but that's for another episode and I, another long winded Luke rant that we'll save for another day down the road. But yeah, that sounds five, good. Two and five, two and two five, five, two and five. We record. And, it's good. And I I'll hope uh, by the time this drops on Monday and uh, people are listening to it, the Tigers won the series at home and they took Saturday and Sunday's game. So yeah. fingers crossed. That'd be delightful. Uh, so folks today uh, we have a, another interview for you lined up. Uh, we teased it a couple of weeks ago. Um, but yeah, we we sat down a few weeks ago with Craig Colby, the author of a book called All Caps, uh, all about his outrageous ball cap collection. Uh, so you're going to, those of you that watch the show on YouTube, first of all, thank you. Um, if you're catching this on YouTube, make sure you like and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Um, but you'll, you will see Luke and I undergo a costume change. We didn't change our clothes. We just recorded it a few weeks ago. Um, so don't be shocked as you see us change our outfits, but Speak uh, for yourself. we'll I see on whole, the other side. Stage crew. We'll see on the other side of, of the interview. Y'all. Welcome back to the Michigan in Trumbull podcast. Luke and I are joined by Craig Colby, author of All Caps, Stories That Justify an Outrageous Hat Collection. Craig, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Nice to be among fellow Tiger fans. Yeah, yeah. That was probably the the most exciting thing um, to me about the book was was that you are a Tigers fan. Not that I I wouldn't be interested in a hat collection from a a non-Tigers fan, but... The number of tigers stories in the book um, were were particularly fun and interesting. Um, why why are you a tigers fan? Because well, I grew up in Michigan. My early uh, stages of my life were in Ann Arbor. I was in Michigan when they won the World Series in 1968. Uh, we moved up to Thunder Bay, Ontario, when I was eight years old. Um, and as you know, you've read the book. It didn't go entirely well. So I still had this misty wonderful feeling about my youth uh in michigan and the tigers were a big part of that Uh, not that i remembered much about the world series but i certainly remembered the feelings the tigers brought with them and then i went to school at the university of windsor when the tigers won the world series in 1984 and became a rabid rabid diehard fan i would say that 
being a Tigers fan is a central part of my identity. Now, uh, not, not to quote you to you, uh, one of the things you say about the the, the 68 championship uh, in the book is I was too young to follow anything but the excitement. And then obviously there's the great story of, of you at um, game four of, of 84. So can you talk to us just about, um, I guess, the the thrilling beginning of being a Tigers fan to um, the sort of torturous existence that it is now. What's how's that journey been? Uh, oh, I think it's been a wonderful journey to fight the the setbacks. I mean, being a sports fan uh, isn't, as we all know, especially Detroit Tigers fans, isn't just about being there for all the wonderful good times. It's mm-hmm. it's about the ride, kind of reflecting your life, kind of reflecting life. So for me, in my early days, and you know, the first hat in the book is a uh, one of those plastic batting helmets mm-hmm. that we got yeah. back at Tiger Stadium. I don't think it was mine, but we all wore it. And just those wonderful feelings about the Detroit Tigers and winning my older brother walking up the street to the gas station to try to get that LK line baseball card. We knew all those names. They were you know, uh, Mickey Lolich and Bill Freehan were like Batman and Spider-Man to us. They were just heroic. Uh, and I do remember them winning the World Series and it being everything everybody talked about. And, you know, the even the symbols, the the Tiger, the Old English D, they become iconic to you. And when for me, when you lose part of your identity, when you're taken someplace, and I moved to Canada in uh, during the Vietnam War, and, you know, kids yelled, Yankee, go home and threw rocks at our house. Canada's a wonderful place uh, and people are very nice, but you don't really understand Canada until you've been in a hockey rink on a Saturday afternoon, right? <laughs> uh, they'll they'll buy you a coffee, but they'll also leave their teeth in the corner. Uh, and it is a wonderful place. I do love Canada, but it was a hard move for me. So I hung on to those roots. And then when I uh, went back to the area, when I went to the University of Windsor, goal number one was to get to Tiger Stadium. And I did. And it was, you know, I'm not a religious person, but it was kind of a religious experience mm-hmm. walking into a place like that uh, during the day, beautiful, sunny day, green grass. It almost felt like you were going someplace forbidden, even though they sold tickets mm-hmm. to it, because it had always been almost a rumor out there uh, watching games from Tiger Stadium, especially in a time when you didn't see that many of them. So, you know, the Tigers in that run uh, and the 84 World Series was really hammered down uh, my fandom forever. I camped out all night outside Tiger Stadium to get tickets to the playoffs. We had game five for the ALCS, which didn't take place, and game four for the World Series, uh, where Trammell hit two home runs and Morris pitched the complete game. And then the next night, my brother, Scott, and my girlfriend at the time, Susan and I, were down the street at an Irish pub watching the game on a small TV with all the Tiger fans out in the street celebrating. So, that you know, that's where it comes from. Greg, I have to say, when I was reading it, the first knob, like the first hat you having, having like the little novelty plastic hat, that took me back to childhood as soon as I looked at it. Cause I'm pretty sure I was thinking about it when I was reading it and like looking at all the pictures of the hats that I was trying to think, what is the first hat I ever owned? And I was, I couldn't think of anything, but then I had process elimination. When I saw that very first uh, picture that you had of the plastic tiger's hat, I'm pretty sure that was mine too. I 
have to recall like I was in like T-ball or whatever, first grade Little League, going to Dairy Queen after a game, <laughs> which was always like a religious tradition for anyone who ever, has ever played Little League, either doing a Dairy Queen run or, you know, from the the, uh, the Midwest area, Oberweiss, Baskin Robbins. Eh, you know, it is what it is. But Dairy <laughs> Queen used to have the novelty uh, MLB hats. So I remember actually the first one I had, if it wasn't a Tigers one, when I was on T-ball, it was a San Diego Padres one. And then I remember I got into the point where I started collecting them all. And then the minute I saw that, I was like, it, I hadn't thought probably about that little collection I've had in years. And then the minute I saw that picture in your book, I was like, and we're back to 2001, Luke trying to play right field in T-ball. So wonderful. And that's, you know, the thing with the book and the hats is, uh, you know, the hats are nice, but when you even think about a hat, you pick it up, you look at it, and then you put it on and you don't see it again. You know, really what you're putting on with a lot of these hats, especially the ones we hold on to, is the feeling that they give you. You know, that warm feeling for me, it's being in Tiger Stadium uh, with my friends with or Comerica Park taking my kids there. So you take it, you look at it, you, you're putting on the feeling that it gives you. And that's mm -hmm. exactly what I'm, you're talking about is boy that warm feeling of happiness and youth mm -hmm. yeah that it's so fascinating to, it, it's it's a great idea for a book also thank you as someone who's not the biggest reader in the world always including pictures does <laughs> does an idiot like me well so thank you so much for doing that you're welcome um, yeah, i appreciate it uh but it is such an, a fascinating concept for a book and it's something i never would have thought of until i read it like the idea of like how hats can trans can transport us like back to our youth, back to nostalgic moments, good moments, bad moments. And then I started thinking of all the hats I have. And then I started thinking about all the hats that I don't know where the hell they even are. Like I know somewhere back home uh, where my parents live in the Chicagoland area, I've got a crate somewhere in my basement, in their basement, I should say, just filled with hats from my youth. And the next time I'm home, I wanna like just dig through them and see what I can find. I used to, as a kid, get the hats autographed when I was like, when I'd go to Tigers games, when they'd be in town playing the White Sox at, uh, at then it was US Cellular Field. But uh, I'm sure who knows what signatures I got on those things. But yeah, it's, I mean, it like when I was reading it and looking at all the pictures, like, damn, this is like such an inventive thing. And it really does take you back like in time to, in some ways, not to sound cheesy, simpler times for me. You know, I got like little Little League hats and just, you know, it's pretty cool what, what something as simple as a hat can do. But I mean, this hat I'm wearing right now has traveled the world with me. You know, every time I travel somewhere, this is always kind of my go-to hat I bring. So I think it's a really awesome idea for a book and it's, it's a pretty it's a pretty sick read i must say so oh i'm glad uh, you liked it it's awesome yeah it's cool and that i will echo that that is a that is a huge review from luke because uh luke yes. luke is not a reader so for him to to have enjoyed yes. the book that's a, that's a great. can you can you talk to us about the 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 kind of genesis of the project because i know you talk about it in the introduction of the book and i just think it's a it's a really a, a great story and so I'd, I'd love to hear it from you yeah well i'm a television producer television producer and executive producer and I had a bunch of great work lined up in February of 2020. I was supposed to direct a two camera shoot on a luxury cruise from Argentina to Portugal. And then uh, with five days off in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, and then write the show up and take it through the edit suite for Discovery Channel. Like gold, right? Yeah. Gold. And then the pandemic hit. And the cruise ship went away and the series went away and everybody at the production company went away. And so I was, you know, in a bind. So I was sitting down here and trying to dig up work. I would sit at the desk, I was facing the other way. And over to this side, that side, I had a bunch of hat racks. And I thought, I'm just going to put on a different hat every day. 
until we get to be together again. I thought it would be a couple of months. Uh, so I took the first hat. I took a Pittsburgh Pirate stovepipe hat with P for pandemic. And I took a picture of it and put it on Facebook. Didn't think anything of it. Later that day, a whole bunch of my friends had put up a picture of their hats. So every day I would put on a different hat. And I would wait for the other hats to come in. And it was a time that I, it was a way to be connected in a time when we were all isolated. Then I started writing stories about the hats where I bought them, who I was with, what they reminded me of, experiences I had with them. And then I was connected to my own life. So while we were on our own, I mean, it was with my family, but while we were isolated, I felt real sense of connection, both to people I loved and to my own history. I was also a little embarrassed because I didn't know how many hats I had. <laughs> I didn't know how many hats I had. And gradually the people who joined fell off and eventually, and you know, some of them, a White Sox fan friend of mine who was a Vietnam vet who shared all his Vietnam uh, veterans hats and had a whole bunch of people saying, thank you for your service. When he was telling us stories about being spit on when he came home and when he ran out of hats, he went into the garage and he got out autographed blues albums and bobbleheads. He did everything he could to stay in the game, but I was still going through hats and people were starting to question why my wife stayed with me, um, <laughs> my priorities in life. Uh, my mental well-being and I thought because a lot of my TV friends were in this that I was in trouble uh, and I ran out of hats 125 days later and I thought that's it I'm the crazy hat guy right <laughs> then the funny thing happened is people started sending you know posting that they were going to miss it they were sad that it was over and these weren't even people sharing hats these even weren't, weren't even people leaving comments these are people who just liked that little story. My wife's mm -hmm. cousin, Deb, said that uh, it replaced the horoscope as the first thing she read every morning. <laughs> so that's when my cousin, Julie, in Texas, who writes mystery, said, you should turn it into a book. And I said, I don't see it. Who's going to buy this book? And my brother, who wrote a uh, Canadian bestseller with uh, hockey player P.K. Subban's dad, Carl Subban, he said, I think there's a niche market for this book. And then my mom who wrote a column for the paper in Thunder Bay, Ontario, she asked me to write it. And when your mom asks you, you know, it's different. Yeah. Uh, and she was 87. I knew she had had her own book out. She loved everything that went with it, the parties and releases and the signings. And she loved my brothers. So I said, if I could get the releases, I would do it. And that's when I got the releases from New Era, 47 brand, Major League Baseball, the NFL, the NBA, the NHL, Minor League Baseball, the CFL, Basically everybody except for Marvel Comics. Wow, Marvel! That, that's a that's a tough one to get. Kevin it's Feige, a... really just <laughs> just spitting on your dreams there. Craig. They're they're busy. They are busy. They're a little and, bit busy. Know, yeah, the, the problem is that it was a really good story too. But they, I just yeah. couldn't get. I just couldn't reach anybody. So you know, it's I'll the, still it's, see the movies. It's ready for the sequel. Um, <laughs> yeah. For, for the, yeah. the new round of 125 hats. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Now, now while we have you here, Craig, I got to ask you. Um, we just had the World Baseball Classic, um, yes. which got us uh, a whole slew of of new uniforms and gear. Any hats you particularly liked at the World Baseball Classic? Well, I live in Toronto, so it's not going to surprise you that I like that hat. Mm -hmm. You know, the Canadian, I think the Canadian baseball hat is really uh, clever and beautiful. You know, I like the red, I like the C with the baseball, the maple leaf looks great. So, you know, that's one that I've had for a while. It's, I don't think it's in the book. I think it got 
cut because I had to cut pages because it's a color book, although you can access it in the bonus material. Uh, I like Team USA's hat. Um, I didn't like Japan's hat because I thought it had too much going on. I didn't like the red stitching mm-hmm. or the yellow border on the on the J. I thought they had something much uh, more simple they could do. Um, but, you know, I'd say those are the ones. I liked jerseys aside, I like the Great Britain hat. Yeah, I would agree. The hat was nice. The jersey was left quite a bit to be desired. Um, The jersey looks like something I would have made, like in my spare time, like (laughs) rushing the night before a homework assignment was due. I'm like, I don't know, just throw this on. Yeah, it really looked like we're going tomorrow. Do we have a jersey? Oh, no. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it was a rush job. Venezuela local screen printer. Yeah, the Venezuela yeah. gear looked great. Um, I, Luke can Luke can go back in the the thread of our baseball um, friend group chat uh, that I agree with you that I think the the Team Canada gear was was the best looking that that was the best looking hat of the World Baseball Classic. Hmm. Do you, uh, Craig? So we kind of talked about that a second ago. You brought up jerseys. Do you have a jersey collection as well, or is it mainly just strict? I mean, obviously, you're, you're, you are yeah, you are the hat yeah, guy. I, I mean, it's it's a moniker you got to wear. You are the hat yeah. guy. But it's a, there's a lot worse things to be called. To, to be fair, you're that guy. Oh yeah, it's cool though. You know the best so, thing like, about being here. Yeah, hats are stackable, so they're very right. easy to store. True. I do have a lot of jerseys too. Okay, and, cool. You know, they're the pride of that collection. Uh, and I almost wore it today. Are my Detroit Tigers full home and road uniforms that I got at Detroit Tiger Fantasy Camp in 2014? Oh, nice. So that's, is that the one they do the down uh, during spring training in Lakeland? It is. It is. Yes, that Joker Martian. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, it's it was one of the most amazing experiences uh, of my life, um, and it was just everything you dreamed it would be. I've always been curious. Could would you mind going into a little more detail on that? Like, what what did that entail? Were you there for a weekend? Like, did you do scrimmage games? Did you meet players? Like, what is kind of like a quick, you know, like summation of like the whole of the thing? Like a quick summary for like what was it like? So for fantasy camp in 2014, uh, I don't think they did this every time. Uh, I'll, I'll get to the unique part of that adventure, but you go down for a week. You know, you come in to, uh, like I said, I live in Detroit, in Toronto. I drove in with a friend of mine who I played softball with for years. Uh, you take batting practice in Comerica Park. Uh, you meet the people. Then you fly down to, uh, fly into Orlando and catch a bus to to Lakeland. Yeah. And some of the players are on the, on the plane with you. It's really exciting. I saw Dan Petrie. You know, I was looking at him. I walked yeah. up and said, hey, I'm really excited about this. Oh, this is great. He said, uh, I'm going to give you some advice. He said, uh, here's what Gates Brown always said. Start slow and taper off. A lot of guys get hurt. <laughs> then we, <laughs> it's true. And then we got on the bus and Juan Berenguer was sitting uh, across from me telling these incredible stories. Uh, you get there, they have a big party one night and all the players show up and Dave Rosema is throwing little spitballs, trying to get him in the beer on our table. And then they divide you up into teams. And you are coached by former players. I was coached by John Warden, who was on the 68 team. It's the only team he uh, played on. He's a, a big character. He's the um, he's like the mayor of fantasy camp. And he's <laughs> runs the kangaroo court. And he knows you, and he's very jovial. And then our other uh, coach was Willie Horton, who oh. never learns your name, but tells <laughs> incredible stories the whole time. And then later on, we were joined by Jake Wood. And then you play the other teams. You have a home and road, and you play the other fantasy league teams twice a day. 
And what made this unique is we had a day where we had an exchange with the Yankees camp. So we went off to Tampa to play the Yankees and some of the Yankees came to play us. And, uh, you know, in that camp, what's different about that camp than ours is the, the former players pitch to you. So, you know, I was catching, I caught as much as I could. Our regular catcher was a 65. So my friend Larry and I caught as much as we could. So I was catching, uh, I'd have to look up the names, but some, you know, Yankees who pitched in the World Series and Bucky Dent's there and Jesse Barfield. But the, you know, the highlight of that moment, we came out in our second game against the Yankees. We lost the first one. We were winning the second one. And this 90-year-old man comes out for an at-bat in his Yankees gear. And he's naturally got a pinch runner, but he gets the first pitch and he laces it over third base, line drive, hits the chalk, poof, easy single. They run to the first base and our whole team just stopped and we tipped our hats to him and they walked him back out and he looked up at us and he tipped his cap to us. And that was, you know, just some of the magic of it. But the real magic of, of fantasy camp is, you know, as fans, I think we'd like to sort of erase this barrier between the players and us to get to know them a little better, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it disappears. At some point, you're really excited. There's Daryl Evans. I'm going to talk to Daryl Evans. Um, but towards this, as the week goes on and you get to know everybody better, if I'm having a good conversation with you, I'm not going to turn around and talk to some other people, uh, some of the players. I'm going to keep the conversation going I have. But I have, you know, I've talked about it a lot. I'll give you two more things that are surreal. One surreal and one shows how easily that uh, barrier is erased or how completely it is. You know, they had karaoke night and my friend and I were singing Detroit Rock City and Lou Whitaker is dancing to us singing Lou of Detroit Rock City. Like that's. <laughs> Where's Rod Serling? Shouldn't he be standing in yeah. the corner talking? To, Did Sweet Lou have the moves? Did he have those sweet moves? Oh, of course Sweet Lou had the moves. They were Good. understated but elegant. And then Good. on the last day of the last game, you know, you play the Tigers at Joker Martin's Martin Stadium. And, you know, you get two innings so everybody gets to have an at-bat and taking time in the field. And I just couldn't take my uniform off. Um, but eventually I did and I went in the shower and I'm having a shower and I heard this voice say, yeah, you know, water pressure really isn't great in here. And I look over because the shower is like a big square room with all these shower heads coming out, right? They're not individual stalls, just a big room. And I look over and it's Frank Tanana. I'm in the shower with Frank Tanana. <laughs> wow. Barrier gone. Barrier gone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> literally. Yeah, yeah. Disappeared. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, yeah, I... The fantasy campus changed hands. Jerry Lewis used to run it. Now I think the Tigers do. Jerry Lewis has a separate one. Uh, but, you know, if you can afford it, it's just magic. Yeah, that's, yeah that about seems like, yeah, that seems like something I would love to do someday. That just, Alex, we should go to fantasy camp. I don't know if I'd be let in. I've talked a lot of crap about the Tigers in recent it's true. years, but I think you could probably get in. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised you, we'll see if you can get into Comerica when we go in October. So, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, someone's got to keep Chris Illich honest. I guess it's my job. Yeah. Now, Craig, I want to... Um... I'm going to ask for a little advice for Luke from you um, because sure. one of the stories you tell in the book is how uh, maybe, maybe a tiger's loss didn't uh, make a breakup happen, but um, there is a tiger's <laughs> loss and then there's a breakup. Luke yeah. uh, is in a, a new ish relationship and it's about to be 
his first baseball season with this relationship. Um, Mm -hmm. Do you have any advice for Luke on how to not let baseball ruin his relationship? Fair question. (laughs) Well, listen, if it comes down to baseball, you're already in trouble, right? I mean, that's the deal. Like there is a story in the book about how, uh, yeah, there was a Tigers Jays mm-hmm. game that was the final nail on the coffin of a relationship <laughs> I was in, and I've shown that woman the book, and she approves of the book. Uh, but <laughs> you know, I mean, you've actually hit on a big thing in the book because the book starts off about a lot of is it about love of sports and the role sports play in your life because there's a lot of sports hats. But the further you get in life, and the further you get in you know, relationships, you get married, you have kids, you know, you see, uh, you lose friends. I mean, you realize that this sports is important to you if it's important, but it's not the most important thing, right? Uh, Those connections that you have to the people you love are the most important thing. So what I would advise you, Luke, is to try to include her in this as much as possible, as Uh much as she's willing to be included. So, okay. Talk to her about Miguel Cabrera's final year, right? Uh-huh. Is she a Tiger? Is she a sports fan at all? Is she a Tiger fan? She is. She is. And, she, and you know, I, I don't think she quite knows how big the fandom goes. She knows we have this show. Uh, she's never listened to an episode if I had to put money on it. But I'd say, okay. Um, right. I don't think hardly any people do. To so an episode either. It's, yeah, it's, just the, it's actually just the three of us here, correct? No one listens to the show ever. But, no, um, she, she is a uh, big college football fan. Uh, not a huge enjoys baseball. Didn't have a team prior to meeting me. And actually for my birthday, she was kind enough to get us two tickets to tigers, twin spring training. So I'm a very lucky man, not only for that gift, but for a lot of other reasons. Uh, but yes, she's, she's kind of slowly, I think since it's kind of my team, it's almost like one of those things by osmosis. So I would, you know, uh, when you go to the game, Mm -hmm. get her something to wear. Oh, we already did the game. The game, the game happened. She wore she she wore she wore some she's gear. She's got gear, right? She got I I gave her a couple shirts I had. I by all means I've got a plethora. I mean, my closet looks like it's like a Dick Sporting Goods with how yeah, much she may baseball want her, stuff. She so. may want her own shirt. She may want you. I know. To buy so her I, I think that's shirt. the next step. I think I got to right. do it. Yeah, and you know, just include her in it. She, yeah. if you're important to her, the things that are important to you are going to be important to her for a certain window, right? Okay. At some point, as the relationship gets stronger, you won't need those things as much. So, mm-hmm. you know, she you will need your space. But now as you're in this early stage of getting to know each other, include her in the things that are important to you because that will tell her that she is one of them. At the same time, if there are things important to her, you have to give those the attention. There may be a night when you want to watch the Tigers and she wants to watch a rom-com and you are going to watch that rom-com and you're going to love it. Right. And if you don't love it, you are going to tell her who you, you're going to do your best to love it. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the real thing. You you have to, you have to show her that uh, she's important to you and that you appreciate her. So that's well, my advice I, for that. I, first of all, it's good advice. I, I, again, she doesn't listen. So I don't even know why I'm saying this. I'm very lucky. She's, <laughs> so it's I, your she, idea then. It's not yeah, my idea. It's your idea. She's yeah. She's, she's the best. So I'm, I think I'm good there. I'm excited to see what this baseball season unfolds for us as a couple, mm-hmm. but what I really am most stoked about is that we have now turned the show into a baseball podcast and to uh, 
couples talk with Dr. Cupid Craig over here. <laughs> yeah. Dr. Cupid Craig Colby. Should I say that three times fast? But yeah, I love it. Good advice. Yeah. No, for real. That's all jokes aside. That's that's good advice. It's compromise. You got to give and take. You know, sometimes it doesn't always have to be ballet sports. Some nights it could be, you know, I don't know. What's a good rom-com? I was going to say The Breakup, but that that's not really a rom-com. It you know what? You don't want The Breakup. We don't want that one. Good movie. Just yeah, not that's what we're trying the to accomplish. The Kissing Booth. The Kissing Booth is kissing a good booth. One. Yeah, she'll okay. love that one. Uh, right. Yeah. And no, I'm coming up on 25 years married this summer. Okay. So I'm doing something right. Yeah. Congratulations uh, yeah, on that. Yeah, yeah 25 you. years. That's awesome, man. My wife and I are right behind you. Coming up on five in September. So uh, five's good. There. Five's good. There. I'm not going to no. say my number. It's not even in the years yet, but that's okay. It's all, that's right. all right. It's not. A, it's first not first baseball a, season. You know what? It's first baseball season. That's what matters. Yeah. That's, let's talk. Let's exactly talk about. What matters. Let's talk about yeah. this baseball season. Um, yes. Uh, what are we? What are we feeling? I. I'm getting really mixed. Mixed vibes um, from both the fan base and the team. Craig, how are you feeling going into this season? I'm neither optimistic nor pessimistic. Uh, I am certainly frustrated. You know, I just was thinking today, man, it's been 10 years since they were good, mm -hmm. right? 10 years, 10 years. And I was also thinking the other day, this is the longest stretch without a World Series championship in the team's history. You know, if you take them starting at 1901, when the American League was formed, they won one in 34 years, right? 1935 then they won one in 35 10 years not too bad right 68 23 years feels like a stretch right and when i saw them in 84 16 years because i was only 21 seemed like forever mm -hmm. 1984 we're looking next year that's going to be 40 years and you know they should have won a world series somewhere between 2011 and 2013 they were the best team they were the best team, 2012, 2013, 2014. They were the best team. So, you know, that's them's the breaks of, you know, postseason play. So it's been a long time. I'm frustrated. Uh, I didn't like it when they let Don, Don, uh, Dave Dombrowski go. Uh, all he's done since he left is win a World Series and take his team to another one. You know, who wants that guy on running your team? <laughs> uh, so, you know, I'm frustrated. But I understand with the new guy coming in, and I've heard you guys talk about this. Uh, yes, we have to give him a chance. Yes, he has to evaluate the players he's got so he doesn't give away someone good. Yes, we have to be patient. Uh, I, you know, I'm not, I, I hope we're not patient too much longer because it doesn't take mm -hmm. that long mm -hmm. to get good anymore. And we've seen it, right? Mm -hmm. We've seen it. They have money. You know, they're, they're, if, they, if they become good, Attendance will double. They'll have money. Yeah. Yeah, but we, we always say a lot too is that, you know, yes, you want to be patient. You want to give Scott Harris a fair chance to do his work, his magic. But this is a team that hasn't had winning baseball since 2016. So I think that the those last and that, you know, they didn't even go to the playoffs that year. That was just the last season mm -hmm. they finished to five hundred or they've been to the playoffs since twenty fourteen at this point. Um, but this is a fan base that I don't think is gonna be that patient. And I think mm -hmm. the people that are going to be that patient, you know, they need to wake up a little bit and kind of realize what's going on here. Cause uh, you know, it's not, you, you said it perfectly correct. It doesn't take that long to win anymore. If you draft, right. If you evaluate talent when they're in the minors and if you spend the proper money and the, in the, in the proper way to be spending it, it, 
doesn't need to be this eight to nine year redo that it seems has been plaguing the Tigers uh, since 2015, pretty much. Where's our Pudge Rodriguez, right? How quickly yeah. did that come around when you got mm-hmm. somebody good and showed you wanted to win? You know, convince yeah. one really good person, you know? Mm-hmm. If you, how did you feel? How do you feel, Craig, about last season? I mean, you know, we, Alex and I have talked about this at length. Obviously, we did an entire, you know, season last year on it. But you know, going into it, let's call it how it is. We know how it ended, but going into it, right? They go mm-hmm. out, they give Erod the big contract, they give Hobby the big contract, they make that great trade for Austin Meadows right before the season starts. Uh, they brought in Tucker Barnhart, you know, kind of whatever. They brought in a couple of other guys, Andrew Chafin. You know, they're coming off that exciting and kind of yet surprising 21 season. How did you feel going into the season? And how did you feel, obviously, at the end of it, once we saw how it all kind of, you know, came down to it once the season was said and done? I was excited going in. I was frustrated coming out. I was frustrated that they couldn't score runs, right? Pitching wasn't that bad. And I still don't think they're that far away. I still Mm -hmm. don't think they're that far away. A lot of the offense can be solved by Riley Green doing what he's doing and Torkelson getting better. And, you know, with those guys better in the lineup, then probably Javi's better, right? So uh, I I really don't think they're that far away. I, I think there's some big potential there. Uh, there's some holes to fill, but, uh, and I think if they do have a better approach to how they approach the game, which Harris is talking about, you know, controlling the strike zone, I think those things can make a big difference. But, you know, I I don't, I don't think it's fair to the fans to just ask them to wait for you to develop your way out of uh-huh. it. You know, I think you're going to have to sign some guys. And, you know, once you sign some people, then other people will be excited about being here. You know, this, this won't happen. So I'm not saying it's going to. But if you could convince Shoei Otani to come here, and he's going to want to go someplace where they're going to win, right? Mm-hmm. He's probably going to like the Dodgers or the Yankees or Philly, somebody who's going to throw around ridiculous money. But if you could do that, then you got a shot, right? Yeah. So don't yeah. be afraid of getting, it looks like they haven't been afraid of getting people. Uh, they just haven't wanted to sign here, right? So I think a lot of it comes down to Illich too. And I know I it's easy, it's almost low-hanging fruit at this point in time for me to make a joke about Illich, but he doesn't open up his wallet. He doesn't. You know, I, I'll give him a little credit of the last season, offseason. They brought in Hobby. They gave him what was, I think, 140 for six i want to say they gave erod a good chunk of change but you know at a certain point in time scott harris can only develop some of the guys you're exactly right they have to spend money everyone else does it so you have to do it too and uh, i just don't know if chris illich is going to open up the wallet we know his dad could mike illich i mean all the time probably a little too much towards the end (laughs) but uh you know he was trying to leave a legacy right i know chris chris isn't there yet i think it's hard to blame and that's the problem with all of us. It's hard to blame people. It's hard to blame Chris Illis for saying, look, you know, this is, you know, my family's fortune. Uh, I, I have to be more responsible with it than my dad was, who was coming to the end of the line and he wanted to deliver a World Series to Detroit. So, you know, I I think it's easy for us fans to sit back and look at a team and play, uh, you know, dinner table general manager uh, i don't know what chris eldridge knows uh, i don't know what those other guys know i just know that what they're doing isn't working 
he's made a change. Hopefully it's the right guy. And the problem is we're not going to know if it's the right guy for three or four years. And if it's not, uh, then it gets painful. But yeah. I mean, he's saying the right things, you know, and a lot of, I hope we get a Dan Campbell where, boy, I really liked everything he said. I loved it. I hoped he would be good. I, I, I was cheering for him, even though, uh, you know, that lion stench makes it really hard to, to buy in. But, uh, you know, I'm going to go in, uh, as a fan more, I'm really more a fan than an analyst, you know, I'm just going to cheer for them and hope they're doing the right things. And, you know, the big thing I'm looking forward to this year, the, and I'm glad they hang on to, to Miggy is, uh, I'm going to enjoy Miggy's last year. I saw his, mm-hmm. um, 500th home run here in Toronto. It was amazing. Oh, that's great. And when the, when your team is not good, you do need something to make it interesting for you. Um, so I know there's a lot of people grousing about he's not who he was and all of those things. He's one of the greatest Tigers ever, and I want to enjoy his last season. You were at the live game when he hit 500. You were there live at the Rogers Center. That is awesome. Alex, Incredible. where were you when he hit 500? Um, I had just gotten off of a plane, um, mm. and I was watching on GameCast. So I watched it mm. go. I, I saw the, <laughs> the thing go blue in play runs, mm-hmm. and I went, oh, my gosh, he did it. He did it. Mm-hmm. I was, I was lounging in a pool on vacation, and uh, I specifically, I was at a hotel, I was at Disney, and I, my father said, you want to bring your phone out in case he hits it? I was like, he's not hitting it. I'm just, I'm relaxing today. And then about 10 minutes later, he said, he just hit it, and I went, Argh. and yeah, so that's how, yeah. I was sitting above the Tigers dugout about five rows back, and he walked right towards us after he hit the home run with, nice. with my brother, who's my biggest fellow Tiger fan. So it was as good as it gets. And I was with my brother when JV, when we saw JV pitch the no hitter here for the Tigers. Oh, against Toronto. Yeah. Those are some big moments you have seen there. That is fantastic. Mm -hmm. You know, also what we're compiling here is like, can the Tigers play their home games at the Rogers center? Cause like good (laughs) stuff seems to happen there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You you can say that until you've been to the Rogers center. It's not, (laughs) it's not the prettiest place to watch a game. (laughs) Craig, can you, I don't know if you'll be able to remember this, but I want to say it was the 2009 season. The Tigers opened up their year in Toronto. Does that ring a bell to you at all? And uh, when they did, there yes, was a game. it does. Yes, it does. They, I want to say they opened up in 2009 in Toronto at the Rogers Center. I want to say it was like the first or second game of the year. Do you recall a game where the Blue Jays started throwing trash onto the field, the fans, and then Jim Leland pulled them off, pulled the players off? It was like... I feel like every time we we did an episode like a year ago about like our craziest opening day or favorite opening day memories. I remember I brought that up and I tried like, like just searching all over the web for it. Couldn't find anything. Does that sound familiar to you at all? Or am I having like one of those kind of like, I I don't remember that. I think we went to the second game and had the same seats that I had for the other one. It was my youngest son's first baseball game. Mm -hmm. And it was Ricky Porcello against Ricky Romero. And mm-hmm. Ricky Pertello's parents were sitting, and they were both their first games. And Ricky Pertello's yeah. parents were sitting in front of us, and I knew it was his parents because they were wearing Ricky Pertello jerseys. And only yeah. Ricky Pertello jersey, only Ricky Pertello had a Ricky Pertello jersey. But as far as the fans in Toronto getting drunk and throwing things out on the field, it's happened more than once. And listen, okay. Toronto is a beautiful city. I love it here. It's mm-hmm. a great city. But when you, you know, some of it were $2 seats, um, and some of it is, you know you get some young people and a bunch of drinks in them it can happen anywhere so i don't remember it happening there i remember it happening in a playoff game against the orioles but i don't remember it happening against the tigers 
I'm going to ask you this question too, because we ask this to everyone who comes on our show. And if you, you know, you've listened to it, like you, we probably talk about this a lot, but favorite stadium you've ever been to and a least favorite stadium that you've ever been to. Oh, that's uh, pretty easy on both counts. First one is total bias. My favorite stadium is Tiger Stadium. I love it. I loved Tiger Stadium. I loved it. You know, for me, I had been to a game in Metropolitan Stadium in Minnesota before that. But as far as going into a place and really feeling like you're falling in love with the team and the sport, it's mm-hmm. Tiger Stadium. And there was there will never be anything like that again. It's like your first love, right? Mm-hmm. As far as, you know, divorcing myself from that, Wrigley Field is the A-plus experience. And then Old Comiskey Park was magical. So... Mm-hmm. Those are the places I've got right now. Go to Wrigley, sit in the bleachers. Um, least favorite? Oh, the Metrodome was a nightmare. <laughs> Just the worst place on earth to even consider <laughs> playing baseball, hanging a baggie out in right field. It was like watching a game inside a Tupperware dish. It was, it was the worst. <laughs> Fair. Good answer. Yeah. Craig, uh, this has been this has been fantastic. Uh, where can people get the book, and where can people connect with you and find out more about you? Well, here's the book. If you want to see, it's all caps stories that justify an outrageous hat collection. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it through Barnes and Noble. If you want an autographed copy with the Canadian Book Club finalist for or Canadian Book Club Award winner for best uh, nonfiction book of 2022. You can reach out to me through colbyvision.net. Uh, That's my website. And you can email me at craig at colbyvision.net. Fantastic. Craig, Craig uh, this has to... been, oh, yeah. Go ahead, Luke. Yeah. Do no, I was going to say, Craig, this has been awesome. The book is great. Congratulations. Uh, good luck with the Tigers this year. And please, if you would like to, if we didn't scare you away, uh, please join us again this season for just like an episode breakdown or talk some games or whatever. I would love to. I would love yeah, to. Yeah, we'd love to have you back, man, for sure. I'll be seeing two of the first three games here in Toronto. And, okay. you know, I always try to get back to Detroit for a game. My youngest son is a Tigers fan, not a Blue Jays fan, like my wife and my oldest son is. He said he felt bad for me because I, he didn't want me to be lonely in the house. <laughs> but, you know, I'll I'll get back there at some point this year. So, yeah, ring me up anytime. I'm happy to talk Tigers. Love it. Love it. We'll and thank you it. so much for having me on the show to talk about the book and to talk about Tiger Baseball. It's one of my favorite things to discuss. We are back on the Michigan into Trumbull podcast. I'm Alex Freeman, uh, joined, of course, by Luke Jaconis. Luke uh it was a great conversation with craig um fascinating guy great guy great hat collection Mm -hmm. great hat collection great 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 hat collection nice guy energetic and outgoing had a great conversation with him i'm digging just for the record where we're going in season four and i hope our listeners and viewers and all that are liking the interviews because i know we both want to keep doing a lot more of this kind of stuff so um let us know what you're thinking about it Thumbs yeah, up, absolutely. comments, all that good stuff. Because I, I love that Craig was a super cool dude. We've, we've had some great guests. review wherever four. you're listening. Uh, go mm-hmm. subscribe to the Substack as well. Um, if you go to Michigan and Trumbull, uh, dot Substack.com, you can mm-hmm. sign up there. You can get an email whenever a new uh, episode drops. Um, and and we also may we may send out um, some other other fun stuff as the as the year goes down. We haven't decided yet. We don't know what we're doing with that. We're just vibing. We're just vibing. 
But you want to be along on the vibe train when the Tigers win the World Series eventually. So get on now. Eventually. Well, there's plenty of seats. We're on, we're, we're on so many things now. We're on the Facebook. We're on Twitter, Instagram. We are on YouTube. We're on the Substack. We're now on TikTok. Good Lord. That's all right. you got to do is start an OnlyFans and we're taking over. That's it. You know, Luke, funny you mentioned that. Visit us at uh, OnlyFans.com slash Michigan and Trumbull. <laughs> Trumbull, yeah. Um, it's the for only all the edgy way. edgy content. <laughs> the only way to watch the game. For all the for stuff all that's not safe for work. Brings yeah. a whole new meaning to let's go to the ball game, if you know what I'm saying. hey oh, come on. And with that, we're going to call it a week, folks. We will... We will see you online. <laughs> we'll see you wherever we go. Um, I'm. Uh, we're in the market for a new co-host. Uh, <laughs> that's it. After four seasons, that's all it took to get canceled. Good lord, I would have done that at least two years ago. That was the joke. Good god. Uh, yeah, good stuff. Follow us on all the socials, and we'll see you soon, Alex. Goodbye. <laughs>